0: Hello and welcome, Almost 30 Podcast.
1: So glad you're here. Hi, everybody. It's Krista and Lindsay. Thanks for joining us on this just gorgeous
0: day. It's a gorgeous day wherever you are. (laughs) On (laughs) earth. Wherever you are, we're sure it's a gorgeous day. (laughs) We're sporting opposite seasons in our video. I'm a sweatshirt, you're a tank top today.
1: I'm in a freaking tank top. I was like, I want
0: to start. I want to start spring vibes. Yes, you want to start tanking.
1: I go through these phases where I want to like kind of be in a uniform all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. So I ordered a bunch of like very cozy t-shirts and tank tops from
0: Everlane and I'm just wearing the same thing every day. I know, I was going to buy some after I was trying yours on. It looks amazing. It's so comfy. Because I, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, you guys. So Lindsay and I did this
1: casting yesterday. My past life came to my current life and it was, wow. Dude, I don't know how you did it. Um, yeah, so we were we um, were approached to audition for this National commercial for a brand, and we've never—I think—I mean—I've done a bunch of castings before. You've done we did a couple. One other one with the
2: toothpaste
0: brand.
3: Oh, two years yeah.
1: ago. Lol. But it's super aligned because we love the brand. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, let's just you know, let's just do it and see see what's up. Yeah, and I just forgot how. Like, thank God, I don't give a sh- like a shit anymore when I'm in those types of situations and rooms. But man, oh man, I forgot that feeling
0: of just not being seen. I don't know how you did it for so long. (laughs) Actors and actresses, bless you. I don't know how, I mean, what was your, so we did it separately. What was your experience? I was gonna puke. I, like before we started, first of all, I forgot it. I forgot it was scheduled. So I just got done with my workout, and, he, Same. and Haley, our manager, is uh-huh. like, "Hey, just so you know, they're probably gonna look in your kitchen." I look over at my kitchen; it's fucking a dump. And I am like, "Holy hell!" Do you like? Do you guys like powders and supplements on the? Time? No, and there was actually yeah. we just got sent a package. There was like fifty boxes of powders and supplements, stuff all over the counter, all this stuff. And I'm like, perfect, because my kitchen is a dump. And we get on and I'm just like, oh my God. They're like, so tell us whatever. And what I don't like about casting in the two times that I've done it is that they are like, are you available? And they, it's like, almost like they packages it up, it up as if they were going to choose you when they don't. Like, they should just be like, hi, like, tell us about this. Thanks so much. Instead of being like, are you available? Does this rate work for you? Like, it's like, the whole situation makes you feel like it could be a potential Mm -hmm. when it's like they should not lead you on. Well, I think they just asked that because... Just they need they need to know that they want to confirm that you're
1: available because if they cast you, then they don't want to have to go back and recast or Mm -hmm. have to re whatever whatever. But I totally agree. It does get your hopes up. I mean, that that was my
0: hopes. My hopes were down. That was was literally every audition I would go to. I'm like, I got it. Ew, it was just weird. Like it was just (laughs) I didn't like that vibe. Where they're like, tell us why you blah blah blah. Oh my god! And. Oh my God, I just, it was just gross. I felt disgusting. I was like, I also at the end, I'm like, you know what? I have two really good friends that would be perfect for this. <laughs> I can connect you with them. Literally. I literally was like, I, I know can exactly connect you with- exactly who. Exactly, you know exactly who. <laughs> I was like, I have two amazing friends that would actually rock this world. And they were like, thanks. I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> and I just got done with the workout. I looked like shit. I just didn't like it. I actually
1: was really, I was jazzed because I no longer felt um, so attached to that world and that process. and How I just, could you do that multiple times a day? I, I felt, yeah, I just felt good to not not care about that stuff and be in a position where I get to create with you every day instead of waiting for the permission to go and be expressive. So for me, it was like, there you are. That's why you're not in this, this world any longer in that capacity, you know, like trying to be cast. How did I do it every day? I don't know. That's just what I thought it was. That's what I thought my my world would be. Dude. You know, you just kind of accept that. And I wasn't, you know, awake enough to be like, huh, this doesn't feel good. This My soul totally. doesn't like this. <laughs> totally. I was
0: like, mm, rejection feels... <laughs> feels natural. Good. And I'm the person like if I feel people are making me prove myself to them, yeah. I'm I'm running 500 feet the other way. I do not care. I will I do not engage with people like that. So to be in that situation where I'm stuck with people that I'm essentially proving myself to that I don't care about, I'm like, "Dude, bye."
1: Well, thank goodness it wasn't one where you had to So I've been in many, many, many castings where they're like, "Okay, we're going to go close up on your nose." Okay, side, front, Side, can you show us your hands, the backs of your hand, like literally parts of your body, like close up so they can see? <laughs> Granted, I would never like truly care. I'm like, okay, this is just a part of the process, but like it makes you hyper aware of how you look. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Whoa. So anyway,
0: not my vibe. Yeah. I don't think uh, we were cast everybody. Honestly, uh, like, guys, <laughs> I don't think we got the gig. I don't think we and also I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I don't need this money. <clears throat> You know, well, let me just
1: also say, I mean, the rate at which they're paying for national commercials now is not good. I don't, yeah, I don't even know. Well, yeah. There's the a whole that, thing it, with uh, unions and non-unions and it's mainly non-union work, which is kind of like fucking the unions. And I'm not in the world anymore to know the, 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 the details, but it's not,
0: it's not good. Yeah, I was thinking for the pay, I was like, this isn't worth it. No. And, uh, for, and for me to be all over your advertisements for a year. Nationally. Nationally. Yeah, no. That's I not know. my jam. I know. People aren't going to be like, hey, I found you from this ad <laughs> and I'm now newly a fan of your work. <laughs> I saw your work picking up this box and I've been inspired for years.
1: <laughs>
0: oh my gosh, oh, you guys.
1: Oh man. Well,
0: freaking blessed. New um, day every day here at Almost 30. New day every day. New new thing we failed. Just kidding. We don't fail at stuff, but that was just, <laughs> that was interesting. Um, today's episode Literally, you guys. We've been waiting to do this one for a while. Ever since you know you're solo for so low and
1: yeah, people were so impacted by by your experience in healing the mother wound, and so to bring in Bethany Webster as a as the expert, Bethany is uh,
0: incredible. So she wrote the book Discovering the Inner Mother, and I actually found this book after. I actually don't know if their team sent it to us after I did the episode. Um, but I didn't seek it out. So I think that their team maybe heard that we were talking about it and then sent the book. And the book is unreal. The book is so, so good. It has a lot of her personal story and then it just has, it all makes sense. It makes your whole life make sense. What's so beautiful about this interview is, you know, we do a lot of interviews all the time, but this one was one where the information that she shared, I honestly, I haven't felt so blown away in so long. (laughs) We had a moment where we were like, uh, what? My life will never be the yeah, same. time stopped. It was very You cool. know how in life, there's, there's like lingering questions you have your whole life. I've had a lingering questions about situations that I've gone through in my life. And she literally answered one of my greatest lingering questions. And that is about why being friends with two women at the same time where you're like in a throuple never works. And I've literally gone through so many of those relationships with women where it's three and literally since in the past 10 years or whatever, I'm like, nope, three doesn't work, three doesn't work. And so we talked about the triangulation of of female relationships. And, you know, the mother wound as a whole leads so much into our relationships with women, our relationships with our own self-worth, our relationships with the world, with food, eating, diet. It really is like the basic, basic foundation for all parts of our life. In the second trimester, when we are in the womb, basically we are absorbing all of the feelings, emotions, DNA of the mother. So it's really so important that we look at the trauma and experiences that we had in childhood that really shape us in our lives today. And a lot of those happen with our relationship with our mom.
1: Yes. And just how, you know, how different that shows up for each individual person because I feel like your your um, experience is different than mine and even t- talking to Bethany and hearing mm-hmm. about her relationship with her mother. But just that commonality of, of how impactful that relationship and that dynamic can be in your overall development and how you are in relationships today, whether with another or with yourself. It's just so powerful. And, you know, men experience this too with the mother wound, but I think the, the connection between the mother and daughter is, is one that is just incredibly,
0: uh, formative. I'm excited too, if there's a father wound that we can, we can do, but, um, I just think it's, this is so beautiful and this is a conversation for all women. And I think the healing of this, is really profound. And when I've really done this work and done this healing, it's really changed a lot of my life and a lot of areas within my life. And it's even impacted my own mom. You know, when I did the mother wound episode, which a lot of you guys have listened to, my mom actually listened to that as well. We haven't talked about it or like, you know, No words have been said to each other about it, but like, you know, we know this is happening on each other's sides of the world. So so that would be too much if we actually came together, but progress is being made very slowly. And in Healing the Mother Wounds, um, one of the most beautiful sentences and parts, which I think really um, summarizes the power of Healing the Mother Wound really well and the importance of this episode is... Healing the mother wound is the next frontier of feminism as it functions as the linchpin for our most insidious forms of self-limitation, the very subtle and invisible ways we hold ourselves back in order to secure love, safety, and belonging. Hmm. These insidious self-limiting patterns have been passed down from mother to daughter for centuries. The time to stop the cycle is now. Mm. So when we're making ourselves small, when we're making um, putting others on a pedestal, when we're feeling unsafe, when we're feeling unloved, when we're feeling unworthy, when we're feeling like we need to restrict, all these different things really come from that mother relationship.
1: Yeah, so powerful. So the book is Discovering the Inner Mother. You can get it anywhere books are sold. If you're on YouTube, Chris is holding it up right now. Bethany, yeah, so powerful. And I just loved... I loved how passionate Bethany is. Like, oh, I, you she's just, incredible. You literally feel yes. her spirit and everything yes. that she. And she's thinking in real time, and she's like, just yeah, she's so present. And I love that because that's not is always gonna the case. Pop
0: off, yeah. You guys, mark our Careful. words. It's Mother womb is going to be the biggest, the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna. I think we're gonna have Bethany do a workshop in our membership. Yes, next month. So yes. or the next couple months. So yeah. we're gonna have. Little Mother Wound Workshop for our members. So FYI on that. Okay, so please share this episode with any friends that you think would resonate, anyone that you feel like has had a journey with their mom or their relationship with their mother. Um, This is a really good episode to help them start their healing or continue their healing. And if you
1: guys haven't listened to Krista's solo about healing the mother wound, I would definitely recommend listening to that and let's take a moment and wish Krista Williams a happy birthday. Oh, Today yes. is her birthday, the day that this episode comes out. And yeah, I hope you know how loved you are and how, yeah, just how much you've impacted everyone in this community mm-hmm. with... <laughs> She's nodding, but it's it's really true. You know, with every... One of my sisters do be like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I just hope you I hope you feel that. I know that like we are doing so much and... Running a business together can be just so much. But I think you put your heart into everything that we do. And I just want to celebrate you in any way that we can. So if you see Krista <laughs> walking on the street, yes, if you can DM her, just celebrate her in any way. Um, let's do that. So happy birthday. I love you.
0: Thanks. I love you. And I, you know, chose to have this episode released on this day just because, this topic has felt so important to me and this conversation has felt so important to me and our community. So this was like a very... You know, thoughtful decision to have this mother wound episode go out today. So I'm really, really excited to share this with you guys. And thank you for being a part of our community. Thank you for making Almost 30 what it is and for sharing with your friends and for sharing on social. It means so much. Um, And if you're inclined, you can check out almost30.com. We have all of our courses and programs on there. So if you're interested in any of the topics that we talk about on Almost 30, that's a great place to start. And if you want to start a podcast, if this Mm -hmm. is your year to start a podcast, you can also get our Podcast Pro program which is at almost30.com. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you've subscribed. So our episodes every Tuesday and Thursday are in your
1: inbox and enjoy this one. We'll see you on the other side. We'll see you soon. Okay, everyone, I have a surprise. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to celebrate Krista in a special way. So I reached out to members of Almost 30 Nation who I know have specifically been impacted by Krista's solo episodes on the podcast. Can we have a moment for Krista's solo episodes and just how incredibly vulnerable and powerful they are, Um, namely the Healing the Mother Wound episode, the Body Acceptance episode, and her most recent one on receiving was just... Really, really incredible, Krista. I'm in awe of you always. I love you. You inspire me every single day. Your hunger for growth is truly unparalleled. And I just thank you. You're a gift. You're truly, truly a gift to me and thousands and thousands of other people. So receive it today. Happy, happy birthday. We're going to feature messages from some women in the community right now and then also at the end of the episode thank you so much to those that contributed and enjoy
4: hey krista happy birthday to you i hope you have an amazing day that's just filled with love and light and joy you truly truly deserve to enjoy this time and i just want to say thank you so much for how much you've opened up over this year in regards to your healing of the mother wound, your episode on this topic, as well as sharing your progress in Camp Almost 30 has really helped me shine a light on this relationship and helped me to realize how much I'd actually suppressed my challenges with the female bond and the mother bond, because I think it was just easier for me to blame the father relationship for my problems. But in reality, there was a lot of work that needed to be done with my mother relationship and the mother wound. And I really am so grateful for you to having opened this door for me and shining a light on this topic. I think it's so important. It's so valuable. And I'm excited to see where your journey heads and all the progress that is happening for you right now. And I just want to wish you a really happy birthday.
3: Hi, Krista. Jessica here. I really loved your
0: mother womb episode. I tuned in because As a mother, I feel like I'm missing the mark sometimes. So I just
5: wanted to hear the episode to figure out which ways I could be better. But what I really took from the episode was
6: learning to manage expectations. We can miss out on so many special moments or special relationships in life because we think that
0: it should have turned out differently or maybe it just didn't turn out quite how we imagined it. Anyway, thank you so much for
3: all that you do and I hope you have the most amazing birthday. Hello, my name is Rachel and I've been a longtime listener of the Almost 30 podcast. I just love both Lindsay and Chris's perspectives on health, spirituality, relationships, all of it. You both are so vulnerable and we can feel your honesty when you share. Chris's Mother Wound episode especially struck a chord with me recently. I can relate to so many things in this episode, from feeling bitter toward my friends and their relationships with their moms, to constantly focusing on wanting my mom to be something entirely different than who she really is. And my biggest takeaway that has really changed the game for me was the idea of releasing my expectation of what a mom should be and fully accept my mom for who she is. This has helped tremendously with past resentment toward her. And I can honestly say my mindset and attitude toward my mom are much more positive and light now. I can approach my relationship with her similar to how I would my sister or my cousin. The expectation of her being the mom I always wanted is no longer there. It feels like a weight has been lifted and I finally feel free. Thank you so much for sharing your healing and growth with us, Krista. I appreciate you sharing about something so personal. It may seem small in the moment, but these lessons have a profound effect on us listeners. Happy birthday, girl.
2: I just wanted to share how profound Krista's body acceptance episode was for me. The timing of it was really crazy because I was deep in the midst of healing a crippling back injury after having been a workout and a CrossFit and a dieting obsessed person for about six years. And so suddenly um, in the beginning of 2020, I couldn't work out at all. So all of my old body image issues came rushing up to greet me. And so when I saw this episode um, from Krista in April, I was just blown away because so much of what she shared were the exact issues that I struggled with too. But I always felt very ashamed to talk about it to anyone. It was like my deepest shadow. I mean, it was like the dieting pills, the tying of self-worth to body fat percentage, the comments as a child that left a scar um, the part about always wanting to be five pounds skinnier um, it was just all so relatable and once i listened to her episode i realized that i had been hiding behind so many of these same shadows and so during krista opened up inspired me to out my own body shame shadow on social media and it was one of the most powerful things I've ever done to dispel this body shame that I'd been carrying around for so long. And of course, you know, the women that I knew um, that followed me commented on my posts and opened up about their struggles. And so thank you to Krista for starting this beautiful cascade of dispelling body shame and beginning the pathway to acceptance. And there's just such a freedom now and accepting that it's okay that I'm not at my leanest and that it's okay to weigh more than I did when I was obsessively working out and under eating. And just that freedom of accepting my body as it is now is is really such a gift. And I will be forever grateful to Krista for sharing her journey with us.
7: Krista Williams, my beautiful space angel. This is Melissa from the Mimosa Sisterhood podcast. And I just wanted to wish you the happiest birthday ever, you fabulous Pisces Queen. And I also just wanted to let you know what an absolute bright and shining light you've been in my life since i met you. You have seriously helped me grow in more ways than one. You have helped me gain confidence in myself. You've completely destroyed my imposter syndrome and your solo mother wound episode, has brought so much peace to my life and it really helped me release years and years and years of guilt that I have held onto and felt about my own mother wound. I truly believe that you were brought into my life to send me healing messages. And whether you knew it or not, you've done that and you've succeeded. And I am eternally thankful and grateful for all of the positive energy and good vibes that you've not only spread to me, but you've spread to every other woman out there in the world. So I love you. I thank you. And I wish you the happiest birthday ever.
1: This work has been really powerful. And I think, you know, Chris and I have experienced it in different ways, but what's really interesting is that we are in a community of, of women and, you know, as beautiful as, it has been it's also like brought up a lot of this work and just like kind of shown it to us um pretty pretty directly what what initially like interested you in the mother wound and the inner mother work based on your own experience
6: yeah it just organically happened i had this kind of like ambivalent relationship with my own mother that I avoided forever. But when I got to college, I had all these terrible symptoms that forced me to go into therapy. And then um, I spent a lot of time avoiding in like the spiritual realm, like meditation. And I kind of thought that if I just was spiritual enough, then I wouldn't have to deal, you know, with my family stuff. But the more... Um, I went on and on. I just saw like, like kind of like what you just described. I just kind of saw that this was impacting every area of my life. Um, The beliefs that were holding me back were showing up like with my career, with relationships, with uh, you know, my, my, how I felt about my body, about food. Like it was just touching everything. And I, as I started to kind of witness how I acted around my mother as well, I started to see, Oh my gosh, this is really the core of everything. So, I started to finally focus on it, and um, I did that for many years, and then um, kind of hit like that (laughs) culminating moment when I had to confront my mother about the relationship because I was healing in therapy and doing my own inner work, so I was becoming stronger and more like empowered. So, I wanted that relationship to also be empowered as well, and I knew it was going to. Blow everything up on some level, but I was like, I have to do this for myself for my own integrity. You know, this is the person I want to be. I want to speak truth, I want to be honest, I want to be vulnerable, but I also want to grow and I don't want to stay inside of relationships that are keeping me down and ones that I have to stay silent to be loved. So that whole thing blew up my relationship with my mother and and the book talks about how i had to it got really bad and but through that process i like i lived through the worst like my worst fears were actually manifested but because i had so much support i was able to like survive it and then i was having all these realizations like no one's talking about this this is like the nugget this is like the piece of the puzzle that no one's talking about and i was looking for more people. This was like around 2013-ish. I was looking for more people who were talking about it. And I just wasn't finding anything that quite hit it right. So I was so excited to connect with other women. So I just started blogging. And I was terrified, honestly, of like hate mail and people saying, mm. oh, you're hating on mothers. You're blaming mothers. Mm. I knew that was going to happen, but I, I didn't. I just didn't care. I was just like, this has to be talked about. And I definitely did. It's kind of like every time i faced my fears about it, It's just like, I'm realizing everything is survivable, you know, Mm -hmm. and it just makes you stronger and makes you like everything more, um, possible in a way.
0: Yeah, I love your story. And I loved at the beginning of so it's like the beginning of each chapter is like more of your story, which was really beautiful. And and I know you have a partner, and it's funny, I kind of like skipped to the end. I'm like, when does she meet her partner? Because <laughs> <laughs> at first you were with your husband. I'm like, I kind of was like, I need to hear the partner story. Um, but one of the parts that I found really beautiful is I have notes all in my book, but in the conclusion, I feel like it's a really just a good summation of of the mother wound in mm-hmm. the work. Healing the mother wound is the next frontier of feminism as it functions as the linchpin of our most insidious forms of self-limitation, the very subtle and invisible ways we hold ourselves back in order to secure love, safety, and belonging. These insidious self-limiting patterns have been passed down from mother to daughter for centuries. The time to stop the cycle is now. And I've, I just, I can't even believe it because you know, so much of what we're seeing and, and I think a lot of our mother wounding has come up in Lindsay and I's relationships. You know, my fear of trusting women and I think for Lindsay, hers shows up in other ways. And so when we're working on our female friendships, it's also such a mother wound issue mm-hmm. issue. So can you talk a little bit about how the mother wound really affects and impacts the various parts of women's lives and how that shows up?
6: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so exciting when we can see like I think the nugget is learning how each of us has a certain kind of blueprint for relationships that we got with our mothers, right? And it's a little different for everyone based on what those dynamics were like. So it's a little bit like being in like having this curiosity like making the link between what are my current issues now? Like what are the most biggest challenges I have, you know, and then doing a little reflection on how does that relate back to what I learned in my early environment? Um, Making that link and getting into the habit of doing that has been one of the most exciting things that I do in my own personal growth and what I teach other women as well. Because when we can make that link, we can then kind of rework it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like we have to become aware of what we went through back then how it's showing up now, but this is counterintuitive for a lot of people. A lot of people, in our, and especially in our culture, they're like, "I don't want to look back. I don't want to focus on the past." You know, we're, we're taught that to actually look back is to be stuck. Mm-hmm. But the app actually the opposite is true. And this is one of my missions in life is to help people realize that in order to heal, we need to be triggered, right? Um, as my therapist has said, you know, we need to have a live wire to be rewired. Mm. We can't just heal in our heads. We actually have to feel it to heal it. So whenever we feel ourselves stuck, whether it's in our careers, our relationships, um, female friendships is a big one, like you said... It's all and something feels like triggered, like, oh my gosh, this is so intense. I feel overwhelmed. There's that's a sign that something from the past is getting triggered. And not only is it getting triggered, it's ready to be reworked, Mm -hmm. right? It means it's you're feeling it enough that it has the potential for change and to be shifted. So I like to tell people that triggers are opportunities, triggers are kind of a reason to celebrate, like you're ready to go to the next level. Mm -hmm. That's why this is coming up. The mother is about self, right? So It's one of those, the most unique, significant relationships of our lives because we were bonded with our mothers. We were actually one being when we came into the planet, Mm. first days and weeks and months of our lives, we're literally merged with this person. We don't have the ability to see ourselves as separate, right? So we literally like absorb her feelings, even the inarticulated things, we feel them. So it's deep, right? It's deep into the fabric of how we see the world, how we see ourselves. So it's about self. Um, and that's why I say it's like the linchpin, right? Because if we can get clarity on this, then the, the transformation starts to spread automatically as a result into all the different branches of our mm-hmm. lives. So common ways that it shows up are usually about, and I think I talk about this in the book, but these the key thing is really safety, mm-hmm. right? Like for the child in us, and we all have like a child part that is that kind of stuck at a development level of whatever we didn't get met or needed, like our emotional needs, whatever, I call it the mother gap, whatever that was, there's a part of us that's looking for that. And we're just built this way, right? It's not like there's anything wrong with having a mother gap. It's just the way humans are built. We project what we need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of us for relationships, for example, will attract similar patterns with our romantic partners that we had with our mothers. And the reason we do that this, I think is to really repair, you know, we have another chance to rework those early, um, patterns. Um, so feelings like not feeling worthy, not feeling safe, the, like for many women, we weren't taught that we could be, uh, Direct and articulate mm-hmm. about our feelings, so there might be this like learned pattern of manipulation to get what we need. Pleasing behaviors, being too self-sufficient, controlling, and also things like addictions and um, you know addictions or food stuff also because yeah. it's about nour- nourishing the self. Mm-hmm. So and and they always relate to some kind of hunger. I think for being like all of us as women want to be whole. We Mm -hmm. want to be our full selves. We don't want to fragment and split the way that, you know, our families or the culture have taught us. So our hunger for self will always manifest in some way. And that's part of our deeper wisdom, wanting to kind of self-correct. So for example, issues with food, like for me, I struggled with food for a long time and it was, I want, I wanted some kind of nurturing that I couldn't find, you know, in my environment, but food was always there. It was like, always available. And it was all, you know, in the way that I didn't even know how to meet my own emotional Mm -hmm. needs and be that kind of loving source for myself. Mm -hmm. So food was a way that I worked towards getting that awareness of what am I really wanting? What am I really needing right now? There was a hunger for something that wasn't in my life. So I think it's like, yeah, the self and what we experience, whatever's most painful is that link into, okay, what's the deeper thing That's going on. And I experienced some frustration with this for a long time in the personal development world because everyone for so long, I think we're going deeper now, but there was this like surface level. Yeah. Like manifest what you want and you know, or meditate more. But it's like the real work that helps us shift things on a like a really deep level is we have to go back to look at this original blueprint uh, because we just play out what we were conditioned to do. It's it's just, we can't help it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's what we were raised inside of. It's what we learned, be, how to be safe in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. But the great news is that we can rework that.
1: Completely. Yeah, our good friend, Lacey Phillips, um, does manifestation work, but the basis of that is that subconscious reprogramming, especially around our experience as a child and with our parents. So it's just so powerful. Um, and Ooh. we've seen it in our own lives. I'm curious, like the connection, you know, you were describing... The first, you know, however many months with your mother, and and really taking on whether it's like feelings during during pregnancy, et cetera, and I I really feel like that happened to me because I'm curious, like the the different types, the different ways a mother wound can show up. So there is the gap of like a mother maybe not showing up and that's just a generalization. Um, I'm sure there are variations on that. But then for me, there was kind of this enmeshment with my mother where I really felt everything she felt. And I felt like I was here to help her and heal her. And um, I felt yeah, just kind of guilty. I would, you know, not fully express myself because I felt like it was, you know, too much and might think make things more complicated or heavy. So I'm just curious, like the different variations of of how it how it can manifest.
6: Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a big one. You know, feeling witnessing our mother's pain and feeling like we have to heal, solve, fix things for her. Um, especially if if, you know, and it's part of the thing is mothers and the way motherhood is set up in our culture, it's like this impossible thing, right? Um, Impossible standards and the way, you know, not enough support. Mm -hmm. So we watch our mothers struggle. So some mothers will do like put more weight on their children without even realizing it. And some moms just are more neglectful like it's not like they're putting weight on their kids they're just literally checked out or not available for whatever mm-hmm. reason so it for some people it's not that parentification where the child is like the emotional parent it's more like the mother's just not there and so there's a whole other wound around that like you know feeling like you don't exist, feeling like you don't matter, um, feeling like there's something wrong with you. Because when we're children, we can't make that cognitive distinction, right? It's like if the person that I need to survive isn't paying attention to me, or is dismissing me, or you know, humiliating me, or what, withdrawing from me. There's got to be something wrong with me. Children will always blame themselves rather than blame the parent because it would be too devastating for our little minds to take in that the parent actually is unsafe, then it would be just unbearable. So it Mm -hmm. makes it more bearable to the child to blame herself. Mm -hmm. So if I had to say, what is the basic manifestation of the mother wound, no matter how it shows up, whether it's neglect or um, invasion, or it usually comes down to some kind of abandonment Mm -hmm. and some kind of feeling like I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable. It's some version usually of that. Mm -hmm. Um... If I had to boil it down.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: It's just like feeling like I can't be my true self. I'm I'm bad. Yeah. And and a lot of us have this in the background of our mm-hmm. consciousness, even though we might like in my example, I was a complete overachiever and put together. And um, but inside there's always this nagging feeling like there's something wrong with me. I think like there's something mm-hmm. horrible about me. Um, had no reason for it, but it's just this awful kind of collapse grief and pain that I couldn't explain. Um, but the deeper I went, I got to see kind of more of the root. Like this is really where it came from. It's not really about me.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: It's really just this pain that has gotten passed down. And I'm just, it's just my, my portion of it.
0: Yeah. I think for me, one of those was, uh, oh, this is like a recent realization, but that if I'm attractive or if I'm beautiful that it makes others feel bad. Like I always felt like Mm -hmm. the way that I looked made my mom feel bad about herself. And so Mm -hmm. I always have seen like if people look at me and I think that they think I'm attractive, whatever that is, that I didn't like it and it made me feel uncomfortable and it made me feel sad sometimes, honestly, rather than Mm -hmm. feeling empowered by it. And um, there's also, you know, within my family, the body image thing actually really ranks true. And for most of my life, you know, my mom has felt like food was a threat to her. So a lot of the body conversation and the fear of food really was like very prevalent in our family. And it mm. was a lot of mother wound work, but then also Janine Roth. I don't know if you know her, but yep. she's, yeah, she's amazing. Women, Food, and God was really powerful. And I feel like the nourishment piece of what you speak about is, is really prevalent for people. And I actually think that when doing mother wound work, it was helpful for me to start with body and food and that nourishment and then sort mm-hmm. of go deeper to like being neglected, being a bit, you know those kind of things. yeah, because mm-hmm. it's easier to talk about. and I feel like as women we sort of are are um, are started starting to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. So around the food, the food conversation, what have you seen and sort of what things would people look as symptoms in their life today that could lead them back to understanding that their relationship with their body and food is because of a mother wound issue?
6: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the most powerful books that helped me understand this connection back in the day was this book called *The Hungry Self* mm-hmm. by Kim Chernin.
1: Mm. It was written
6: in I think the seventies or the eighties, but um, that really helped me make some clicked links there. Of in as women in this culture, our 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 hardships around food, they represent kind of this this unwinnable struggle where we can't be our full selves. Yes, and the body is the bo- battleground where this takes place. It's like a symbolic gesture. It's like, I'm struggling and I can't voice it in words. And there's no place for my pain in this culture, but my body, it's like a form of control that we don't have in our lives, yes. but we, have, we can control our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about nourishment. So that's why it's linked with mother, right? Like mother was food for us. And when we were little girls, food was also a power play. So food also has to do with power. And I talk a lot about this in the book, like how there's a power dynamic because of the fact that we live in a patriarchy that is all about domination and power over. Um, So it's like this unwinnable struggle where we can't be our full selves, meaning the hunger that's in us it's a big hunger it's a hunger for life it's a hunger to live full on it's a hunger to nourish the self fully but we we live in a world that says that if we nourish our full selves we will be abandoned we will be too fat we'll be too thin we'll be you know there's so many ways that we are abandoned in the culture but we're mm-hmm. taught that it's about like yeah so it's just You know, I think there's a part about anorexia in that book where she talks about how, in a way, women who, for example, don't want to eat, it's in part kind of a protest against becoming a woman and staying in a Mm. child's body. Mm. Because to become a full woman with hips and a really robust ass and, you know, Mm -hmm. like boobs Mm -hmm. and stuff, that means that you're a woman and that means that you're less than. In the world, wow. so she was kind of saying how like women in the anorexia context are kind of starving ourselves. We're becoming prisoners in our own bodies as a form of protest against what happens when we become women, and and when we become women, our bodies develop, right? We can't mm-hmm. really stop it, so it feels out of control. That's why adolescence, I think, is such a hard time for us as women because our bodies are turning us into the lesser than, and we're realizing what we're losing. We're losing our voice. We're losing the fun, the, the smart, you know, all the things that we naturally are, we have to fit smaller and smaller into a kind of a vice of what womanhood is. And I think that's why food is, is tough. Even with like the binging and purging, it's like, I want to eat everything. I want to be all of me. I want to nourish like deeply, but then I can't hold it in because to hold in this nourishment, Mm. I'm going to lose something. Wow. I have to to get it out. So it's the struggle, right? And it's in a lot of it, like you said, Krista, we see it like I saw my mother also struggle with food issues as well. And it's like, when that's what's modeled, there's kind of this panic, like, what does this mean for me? So we often have to go through some things like that to... And if we're if we get help, we can listen to what's the deeper thing I, I need right now.
0: Mhm. I was rereading one of Janine Roth's books the other day, and it was like when you binge, it's actually coming from a place of wanting to nourish yourself and wanting to give yourself comfort and to kind of reframe it from like I'm sabotaging myself, mm-hmm. I'm doing this to like ruin my life i'm bad whatever and kind of see it as like a beautiful way like your body's actually really trying to like Mm -hmm. provide nourishment and comfort instead of thinking of it negatively.
6: Yeah. And we there's so many ways that we have to have less. Like yes. So it's like it's kind of this reaction to like yes. I
1: want it all. I don't want to
0: yeah.
6: I don't want to be holding myself back. Twenty four seven, three sixty five.
0: 365. Yes, it's mm-hmm. like liberation. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm totally. going to liberate myself in this moment and sort of do the thing that's bad, like in quotes, do the thing that, yeah, mm-hmm. do it in private. And like, I, I do really relate to that too, where if you're not being your authentic self and if you're acting small all the time, yeah. then you're going to find an outlet to mm-hmm. sort of express that or sort of try and um, move that energy.
6: Yeah, exactly. It's like a pressure valve that needs yes. to be released. And that's one of the things I really love talking about, and and kind of reframing. Like all the symptoms that we have, whatever they are, they're not. They're not really because anything's wrong with us. Like legit, these these things come from a real real experiences that we
8: had.
1: It's like a regulate, right. like it's a, mm-hmm. it regulates. It's like a regulatory mechanism. I just, I don't know if that makes sense. But mm-hmm. it, it to me, it's like trying to find balance mm-hmm. because we're either I, have been deprived or we're depriving ourselves in some way or not speaking our truth. And so, yeah, the, like universally, there's always just kind of this strive towards balance. And I think our bodies mm-hmm. do that really beautifully. But I, yeah, I really, I... I I love that piece. I think it's so relatable to so many women. And I think we shame ourselves
4: mm-hmm. for yeah, those moments.
1: You know, we and... have
6: nothing to be ashamed of. It's like all I can just put it in the context of myself. Like I'm realizing more lately, like all the things that I thought were my personality, like being an overachiever, striving mm-hmm. for things, working super hard, actually are not really me. They were actually the ways that I was conditioned to mm-hmm. live based on yes. the early environment. That I grew up with. As they shed, as they shed, like I'm not an overachiever anymore. Like these identities are evaporating. And what's so liberating is like, who am I really? Like it's a discovery as we shed each false, you know, once we Mm. see that we don't need them anymore, like they serve us, right? Like the overachieving served me big time. Um, Being super organized served me big time. But then it's like, I don't need that anymore because. I know more of who I am. Like, So it's kind of exciting that, yeah, these are just ways that we learn to cope with pain. That's really mm-hmm. what it comes down to. When we didn't have the support and we didn't have the resources, we, we, we find ourselves doing things like comparison or co- competition or um, feeling less than. They're all symptoms of a deeper pain that we experienced. And so it's so liberating. That's why I talk about inner mothering it's like through that love and safety that we can give ourselves, we don't need those artificial adaptations anymore. We can actually start to feel safe as the true self, discover who, who she is.
1: Mm-hmm. In the book, you talk about the patriarchal bind. And I just, I would love to just explain what that is mm-hmm. and just how how we can identify it. So we talked about like those family systems, but now like within society as well, I just feel like, you know, there's so much, so many conversations on, whether it's the patriarchy or just kind of like conversations around like separation. And so I kind of want to dig into it and see how we can mm, like not reframe, but begin to... Yeah, just establish like our own, like kind of take back the power in a way, but not in like a righteous way. It's just like, it's always been ours. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of wanting to to unwrap that because when I hear patriarchy, I'm like, okay, yes, I believe that there is patriarchy, but I also don't want to be like against the, it's not yes. like my energy is not like, let's tear down the patriarchy. It's like, huh, what is patriarchy? Yes. And how can we, as women, just, does that
6: mean like victimhood to you when you hear patriarchy? Does it feel like it's like, oh, I'm a victim. I'm not, I don't believe I'm a victim. Like, I'm yeah, serious, a, a but,
0: little bit. Yeah, a little bit. For me, that does. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels old to me. It's uh-huh. just like, okay, let's all pull ourselves out of this and and reestablish the systems that we want to see in the world, I guess, is, uh-huh. is sort of what I think. Yeah, yeah.
6: yeah. I I, I can, I can relate to that. The way I see it is like patriarchy is this broad, broadly speaking idea that women are less than
1: mm-hmm.
6: and it lives inside of us. So the book is really about how I see it is like dismantling patriarchy from within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we can't just create a new world. Like You just can't (laughs) when we have centuries of conditioning Mm. that is flowing through our veins. We actually have to... And this might feel counterintuitive, but we actually have to look at how we have been victimized in order to get the power back. Like we can't skim over that like, oh yeah, that's old news. Like We actually are programmed to uh, re-victimize ourselves and not even know it. And be a part
1: of it. What I'm hearing you say too is like... Because I'm thinking like... Patriarchy's over there, and I'm here. You know, like yeah, we have, yeah right. It's it is true. inside of us. It's a really interesting concept that I'm now.
0: Yeah, when you getting. explain it that way, I'm like, yeah, that's true because we see it every day with women, where it's like women yeah. will take down other women in a second, but then we live in this structure where there's like these companies and like systems that are doing terrible, horrible things, but we're not really like paying as much attention. Mm-hmm. Right,
6: exactly, and and it's such a key thing to get, and it is tough to get. Cause it's like, Oh, I don't want to feel like a victim. Like I have felt that so much in my life. It took, it, you know, but it's, it's true. Like when we can see it though, then it, it, we own it and it doesn't own us anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the patriarchal bind is really about how as women we we basically kind of have two choices but it's like a lose lose it's like we're taught that we can either be loved or be powerful so if you want to be powerful you might be abandoned so if you speak your mind and you're like some women go the other way and they like they're not pleasing they're more like rebels or pushing but in either way we're kind of not being our true our true self whatever yes. that looks like so in our families and in our culture to some degree there's this feeling like i can't be both powerful and be loved in order to be loved i have to be what other people want me to be to some degree and either way we lose it's like like for example and, and i can talk from my own experience that when i was kind of a good girl that's kind of how i was conditioned to be i got approval people loved me i you know but i lost myself you know i had to kind of self-mutilate in a way. I had to reject parts of myself. I had to shame myself to be what the world and my family wanted me to be. Um, But the other piece of the puzzle is if you have the courage, some of us do. And like, actually another part of my life, I was that. I was afraid if I become my true self, my family will abandon me. That actually happened. I got healthy enough to where I could speak my truth, but they weren't ready to to, to build with me from that place. So I did, I lost my entire family. This is not everyone's story. This is kind of an extreme example, but there's a lot of women who are estranged from their Mm. families. So the patriarchal bind in my life has played out. Like Mm -hmm. I I chose myself. So for many women feel this, like, Mm. can I be myself or can I be loved? Can I have both? I think that's like the question that all of us, are kind of asking in a way, especially in a pandemic where a lot of us are pushed to the brink right now without a lot of support and feeling really limited and constrained. And a lot of these issues are up in the front of us right now mm-hmm. in our in our faces. Um, so like what you're saying, Lindsay, I think is how to break out of that and like claim our power is to do exactly that. Like start to build that support with other women and get support from women who are doing it to be the truth, like affirm, I am lovable as my true self. Mm-hmm. Even when people let me down, disappoint me, discard me, when I have boundaries, you know, I I am still here for myself. I'm not going to reject myself when others have rejected me. And I think, and I see this in the with the women I work with in my course. It's like there is a new culture building of women showing up for women as they dismantle yes. this
0: kind
6: of compulsion to conform in order to be loved.
0: Yeah. I love that. We have to
6: develop that intolerance for that. Like I will not fragment myself to conform Mm. to your pictures of who you want me to be. I define me for myself and whether you can come with me into, as I grow, that's I'm not going to hang out and wait around for you. I can't. I must live my true self. I must live my true life, Mm, whatever the cost, whatever the cost. Mm. And that is our true safety (laughs) is to really get to that place where the integrity inside us is the driving force, not approval, not complicity, not looking a certain way. And that's when we can be truly revolutionary and innovative and and we need more women who who are going by these new rules for themselves, right? Like setting their own standards.
0: Amen. Fire. Ooh. Fire. I wish I could have said everything you said so I could take credit for it. It was so powerful. No, honestly, that is the the motto. I loved in the book too, where you it's and this is related to that, where you talk about the female empowerment industrial complex and how. Um, the authenticity that we're craving is much more radical and subversive to the status quo than what we realize. And that, you know, I think about it as it relates to like what you're talking about right here, the true liberation of a woman, like the true radical authenticity of a woman is so different than what we see online as like the girl boss, like female empowerment quotes online and everything like that. And I think what's hard is that it it. Plays off like it's empowerment or like it is leading us in that direction, but it's really not. And you know the the one that you're talking about, the true honesty and authenticity feels feels dangerous for me. Like when I think about it, I'm like, oh, that feels a little dangerous. Like Mm. it feels a little like the wolf. Like Women Who Run with Wolves is a great book about that. But um, I just want to talk about that a little bit more in sort of like those two areas.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think women want this, even this female industrial, (laughs) female empowerment kind of consumerist capitalist version, right? It's, um, it's slick. It's still sexy. Like it's, and that's fine, but it's not changing. It's not really going to where we need to go. It's still in a way, very much communicating that female power is still, you know, in high heels or whatever. Like, I saw a quote recently that I've been sitting with that has rocked my world a bit. It was something like, and I can't remember who it was, but it was something like femininity is, what femininity is in the patriarchal context is communicating our willingness to be submissive in this world. Mm-hmm. And I've been sitting with that like, whoa, you know, cause it's like, that's threatening. Cause it's like, what does it mean? What, who is the self, the true self of us women? Like, what does our true power look like if it doesn't have those same signals yes. right, for beauty and for, yes. you know, desirability and, you know, so I think it is dangerous, but that's, what's so exciting yeah. about it. Is, is it's going to like this question and I don't think we should rush the answer you know it's like what is true female power what is really a female revolution we have to live that we have to live into that question and not rush with the answer of oh it's just putting a pink bow on a on a on a corporate executive mm-hmm. you know
0: look <laughs> no way that's like that's optics it's a, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, That's a patriarchy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I always just think I'm like, how is what this perceived um, femininity or um, female empowerment playing into the same structures that it was? We're trying to break. So, like, if we're just focused mm-hmm. on optics, if we're just focused on the way someone looks, if we're objectifying ourselves, if we're objectifying our sexuality, like, how is that actually still playing into the structure where men have the power, where they're the ones that have to give us money, whether it's selling our bodies or or other ways. And I think it's just such an interesting thing that I noodle over often, just kind of thinking about how we can go deeper specifically into the shadowy parts of, of being in our authentic self. Yeah. And you know what I would say? I love this
6: question that you're asking. And I think for me, the place to go that's usually the most dangerous, but it always has answers, is going to your own family, And what you went through there, like there's some shadowy shit. We all have something (laughs) stuff from our past that I'd like to say the mother wound is kind of like an invisible fence. It keeps us inside of certain behaviors and away from others without us even realizing it because it's Mm. familiar, it's comfortable and our systems prefer the familiar, but we are still confined inside of them. So in order to get outside of them though we have to look at what's what's keeping us inside this perimeter and it usually you know the place to look is what did we learn from our own families and and this is very challenging and tough for people because it's like i don't want to look at myself as a victim i'm beyond that mm-hmm. shit now we can be resilient enough to do this like this is where the gold is I know this because I'm someone who resisted it so hard, but going into it is exactly where we don't want to go is where we got to go and finding other people who are excited by that challenge too, about being courageous and like even sexuality. Like there's Mm -hmm. another place where we feel this ambivalence right about our sexuality. We want to be fully expressed sexually. We want to feel free. We want to have fun, but there's shadowiness around that and and a lot of that shadowiness is stuff that are like it's like ghosts from our past that shows up in the bedroom or shows up you know in these subtle little feelings that we might not even have named yet but once we start looking at like what did i experience around sexuality one of the first things i do in my course is start to ask women how did your mother what kind of messages did she communicate to you about these main areas, money, sexuality, her own body, other women, start to do a little inventory, like not just overtly because some mothers didn't talk about any of these things, but she communicated messages, very powerful messages to you about these areas simply by her behavior, her choices. So that's an easy way that you can start to do a reflection on what's what are these confines I'm living inside of that I might not even know? because once you know a bit more about what you grew up with and you know, you can start to actually consciously start to go outside of it more.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm thinking about to your specific experience with your own family um, and not only bringing them into kind of your own, Realizations and healing, but did you did you create boundaries that they that they were uncomfortable with? Or I, I'm just kind of curious more about that yeah. because I can imagine that there are a lot of people out there who will who are and will begin to do this work and kind of experience that resistance. You know, a quote yeah. from the book that just kind of ties this together is which I thought was really powerful. What you say no to determines the success of what you say yes to. And I'm kind of working on that with with my family out of like a place of deep love and wanting to connect more deeply to them is like kind of setting up those boundaries and saying no or whatever that looks like. So I just love to kind of pull back on that, your situation in particular.
6: Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great question. I love that question about boundaries with family because as women, we're often taught that boundaries mean rejection. Boundaries mean we're being mean. Boundaries mean we don't care. So it's like, I feel like our generation is really setting up kind of like a new way, right? Um, Where boundaries are not... We're seeing that boundaries and compassion, boundaries and love can coexist. Uh, Very much so. And must, right? For healthy relationships. In my family... um, I was definitely like the family mediator and the family, like I took care of everyone to some degree that that was my story. Um, and then as I got healthier, I wanted to set more boundaries and like I feared it, it didn't go well because I kind of saw that my willingness to not have boundaries was actually the glue that kept my entire mm. family
1: afloat. Mm. Yeah.
6: And Because what happened when I set those boundaries, I just, and it was a process. This isn't something that just like happened, but it was a process where I started to see that the more I was consistent, I held my ground with lots of love. Yeah, it was a process. I couched my boundaries in lots of empathic language, but my family members like my mother, my father, my brother hadn't, didn't have the capacity to hear that my boundaries weren't rejection or attack. In their mind, me setting boundaries and kind of modeling a self-worth with with respect. And I always did everything with respect because I wanted to be an integrity number 1 and I didn't want to create like another layer of conflict. Mm-hmm. So it was always doing my best to be respectful and loving, but even the small little steps of boundaries that I was making was interpreted as rejection. Mm and attack my mother in particular saw my boundaries as an attack on her which i had intuited could happen but and i was afraid of this but when it happened it was so painful but also so affirming like like i was right you know and I knew that I could not live inside of this no-boundary existence. Like, I knew that I literally could not live that way anymore. And I had tried everything, <laughs> you know, to try to make it work. And it literally... My, my family just didn't have enough resilience and hadn't done much growth on their own to be able to... You know, it's really sad. They just didn't have the skills. So I like to tell people, you know, it's so important to work on boundaries for your own health and well being. We can't know at the outset how well our family will adapt. There's a lot of moms out there that actually are willing to do the work. Like they want their relationship with their daughters, they're going to figure it out, they're going to get books, they're motivated, you know? So, which is really awesome. Like, So it's so important. It could actually make your relationship with your mom go to like a whole new level of health and growth and and like yumminess, you know? Mm -hmm. But we don't know. So it's like kind of a risk that we have to take. Yeah. Um, So it really becomes about support and having a place like Lindsay, where you can like, you know, having some tools in your toolbox and also some people you can talk to that are like got your back and checking in. And because it is, it can be really painful to be met with, Like any form of backlash. Like, sure. The more dysfunctional families are, usually the less individuality they tolerate from their members. So, when you, if you're trying to step out of a toxic family dynamic, chances are the system, the family system is going to have some turbulence. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so support is so crucial. Yeah. I I mean, I'm just
0: getting there. I got you, baby. (laughs) I really love to the The part that, and actually I want to talk about that too, where individuality. Mm -hmm. Um, is seen like as something that's bad to the family. But I really love the section where you talk about when when sympathy for your mother makes you feel stuck and sort of this feeling that we have where one moment we're feeling so empowered and we're like, yes, like rock on. I am my own person. I'm going to set boundaries, all these things. And then the next moment you're feeling really sympathetic and compassionate and sad for their journey. And like, I often, I do feel sad. I do feel sad. In my own way that my mother doesn't have access to the healing that I've had access to doesn't have access to the conversations the people the situations that's really brought me to this place where I feel incredibly liberated. So how do we juggle with that and how much I guess do you work with that feeling of being sympathetic for their experience. Yeah, for sure.
6: What you just said is so common. Like it's it's definitely something that holds people back. I see it all the time with yeah. people, the people I work with, and myself included. Like you know, because as as families, it's like as families we feel this sense of shared shared. Well-being, and we want people in our family. You know, we're, we're programmed like to be a tribe and to have a family and a group that we love, that we share values with, that we take care of one another. Um, so, of course, that sympathy is real and it's it's heartfelt. The key that you want to look out for, though, is when that compassion causes your well-being to degrade. So, like, what happens? And usually it's some kind of enmeshment, right? Like, um, like I talk about unspoken contracts. Like I didn't realize until I started to set boundaries that my mother actually, in her mind, had this unspoken contract with me that, as her daughter, I would never disagree, I would never um, do things differently, I would always prioritize her well-being over mine because that's what she did for her mother. So when my turn. I was like 27 years old. Um, came like my Saturn return. It was a big one. Was like, okay, I'm going to be an individual. I'm going to I'm going to work on this. It was to her. I think she experienced it as she experienced it like such a betrayal. We had never actually even talked about this. It was just like this assumed unspoken thing, and um, mm. she experienced it like a betrayal. I was just like, I want to grow and heal. So I think what I'm trying to get to to answer your question is really that sometimes when we are growing, we will feel this kind of disconnect between what our values are, like our worldview, and then what our parents' worldview is. And they can, can actually be quite different. So it's, it's almost like, like I said, you can't know at the outset. It's something you kind of have to see and almost witness in yourself. Like when I have sympathy for my mother that's totally legit and fine. But what what am I making that mean about me? Like, do I make that, does that sympathy Mm -hmm. also include a host of behaviors? Like I have to be silent. I have to take care of her. I have to check in with her every week. I have like, so you want to kind of watch what that, what is your belief about sympathy for your mother inside of that? Mm -hmm. Are there beliefs that say, well, if I'm a good daughter, then I can't shine too brightly or I don't want to be too excited about my things because then she's going to feel lonely or less than like where are you emotionally caretaking her that's not your responsibility. And and pro tip if we do this for our mothers we're doing it for others in our lives. So
8: mm.
6: whatever we're doing that's not healthy in our relationships with our mothers it always shows up elsewhere. So that's mm. why it's such a powerful ground for transformation. If we can have these insights and shift these behaviors with our mothers, we can oh my god, show up so much differently automatically as a result in our other relationships.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: So, cause we're dealing with the blueprint. Mm. That's why it's scary. And that's why it's so powerful and so inspiring because you're yes. dealing with the blueprint. Um, does that make sense yes. though? Yeah. It's like, it... what does sympathy for her
0: mean? And, yes. and am
6: I afraid of, if I change this or grow out of this, or what does that mean for our relationship? Yes. Mm-hmm. So kind of reflecting on that more.
0: And I think for me, my sympathy means like when I feel sympathetic, it makes me feel like I don't deserve what I have. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I feel so bad. Do I deserve all of this? Mm -hmm. Like, do I deserve access Mm -hmm. to therapy or, you know, meaningful relationships? And that's really my, my feeling with it. And so, I think that's a beautiful way for people to think about it is like, what is the underlying feeling or uh, subconscious belief when you're feeling sympathetic? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned other relationships and you know this is like the last thing I wanted to talk about was um, how the mother wound affects female relationships and how it affects you know your relationships with people in your life. And I think when I started to really do this work, a lot of things clicked for me as far as it relates to the relationships I had with women. And me and Lindsay have done a lot of beautiful healing work and conversations and therapy on it. So it's been really powerful for me to Unlearn a lot of things that I learned. Um, But can you talk a little bit about the relationship between the mother wound and female friendships? Absolutely. Yeah, our mothers
6: teach us what about female friendships. Like she's our first model and teacher for what's acceptable, what's possible, what's dangerous in female friendships. So, like, I mean, I can give you an example from my own life. Like, I remember I struggled so much. A theme in my life that has been a big time with female friendships is triangulation. So this feeling like if there's three women, there's something dangerous. Like Wait, I just- that's guess. so
0: funny. I'm excited for you to talk about this because I've said this all the time. Everybody, I'm like, three doesn't work. I literally, that's been my motto of life. I'm like, three never works. If anyone's trying to live with two other girls, I'm like, it never works. Okay, tell me more. This is everything. Well, this is something that
6: I've just recently been like diving deep, deepest of the deep into. Um, and actually I had a trigger around it and it was super revealing because what I realized was, and I went to the deeper place, like, what did this mean for me as a child? What was the original three that was dangerous? Right. And and, and I can tell you a little bit, like there's some backstory like I had to dive a little bit into my attachment blueprint, which is more like disorganized attachment, which was my mother, I needed my mother to survive, but she was also dangerous. And this is one of the most hard things yeah. a child can do with that, is mm. when the person you need for safety actually is dangerous or sadistic or whatever. That's terrifying. Um, so so yeah, the, and I was like reflecting on, why am I so scared? Of three. And especially when it would always come up if we were getting close, like three women, like a group of three women getting close. My anxiety would just start to rise. <laughs> I'm no terrified reason. talking
0: about it. I'm like, is
6: <laughs> the third person gonna
0: hear? <laughs> yeah,
6: like, it was it was like everything's great. Uh, and I but I got this like, like I felt punched in the stomach, like something mm. bad. Something bad is gonna happen. I don't know what. So basically what I found out was. The original three was actually me as a little girl. Mm. My mother, her adult self. So the mother that you know makes you dinner and like tells you to go to sleep and to clean your room, like that part of her. But then the other one, the third was actually my my mother's inner child who was um who was basically angry and unpredictable and would take shit out on me like in really cutting ways. so and that was such a mind-blowing in, you know insight was that I could never be enough. my mother's inner child always was the most special girl. so I don't know if this makes even makes sense but like when I as a little girl when I needed when I was like needed to shine mm-hmm. or I wanted to you know be the most special girl, That was threatening to my mother and because she never got to be the most special girl. She was a parentified daughter herself. So she always Mm. had to be an adult. So I suspect what happened was when I was playful or confident, she would find a way to just create suffering for me. And over and over again, this gave me this message that I can never be, in a three, I'm never safe there's always going to be this, this kind of tyranny, tyranny that's going to happen. And I'm going to be the loser. I'm going to be the lost, the one on the outside. I'm going to get boxed out. And the boxing out that happened was from way back when I was a little girl and I could never be the special girl that, you know, all children developmentally need to feel special. And, you know, um, so, so it's in a way it was like, my mother had two sides. She was an adult with lots of power, but she was also um, a tyrant. I mean, a little girl. She was a famished little girl, but she was also a kind of a tyrant adult. And so there was no way for me to actually be safe in that situation. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Wow. Um,
6: So that was the original triangle. But when I unlocked that, it created so much uh, freedom because I was like, oh, this feeling of being punched in the stomach that something bad's going to happen with three women is actually just a reverberation of a very old mm. thing I went through. There is no... And I actually talked to the two people about what was happening for me and it was so healing because they were like, oh my God, you're so safe. Like we are both with you. We both care for you. Like there's no up or
0: down. Like I was afraid sorry, of this. their higher self or, the, or is it two real people in life or you talk to two your mother people. and... Have- Okay, got two it.
6: Two real people. So the trigger was two other women. Got it. So I was able to tell them about what, was ex- oh. what I was experiencing, which was that there always has to be one on top with two of them on top and then me on the outside. And they were like, oh my God, that's so not what's happening right now. But we can see how you would actually see it that way because you were boxed out and, and pushed down by your mother over and over and over again. So there was, in my mind, it was like there was no way that everybody could be loved equally. That was something yeah. i never actually experienced. Mm. So this was a really healing um, experience for me as, as an adult was that I got to kind of re-experience the terror of that and then also see that, oh, wow, that's not what's the case anymore and be held in that kind of healing experience around it. But
0: yeah, I'm, does this resonate with you yeah, guys? Yes. it's insane. You don't lie. You see us about to, <laughs> I'm about, about to or... fall out of my chair. <laughs> no! I actually, I actually haven't had, I haven't had a mind blowing realization like that in a very long time. Yeah. And we do this all the time. Mm-hmm. I really <gasps> have not. That is such an interesting, and it's an interesting thing that mm. you brought up because I bet you could have gone a few different ways with that, and I think it's very powerful that you brought up the triangulation experience cuz every single thing you've said i felt yes. in a in a very 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 real way um and it's interesting about you know the hierarchy too it's like that's what happens like you feel like there's a hierarchy this is what i perceive when the love is conditional and yeah. like i feel like the triangulation happens when there's conditional love when i'm being Quiet, or I'm being mm-hmm. good, or I'm being whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, triangulation can't exist if, like, love is not conditional because it's, like, right. always there. So, yeah. And the
1: triangle is, like, such a strong shape. Yes. It's, like, very, very, it, it, I think, maybe subconsciously, for I'm even identifying some triangulation with my dad mm-hmm. and where, like, it yeah. keeps him safe. You know, to right. establish this triangulation and it actually just like keeps our dynamic the way it's always been. And like his inner child is always showing up. But I, but it, it, it makes me feel, yeah, like I can't change the dynamic because that's what's always kept him just doing what he's been doing and has kept me in a position to yeah kind of I have to kind of think about it more but like be, yeah. be what he needs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. just kind of this really yeah. strong shape. And it's actually really hard to break it. But I I yeah I'm obsessed with yeah, that that's explanation power. and Triangulation. that share.
6: Mm-hmm. Triangulation is really interesting because yeah it's something that people I think even unconsciously do. Yes sometimes as a as a manipulative protective tactic for themselves, right? To not face or not be direct, or there's a lot of different ways it can play out. Um, But yeah, it kind of keeps one person on the out. Mm -hmm. Um, One person stuck in a certain way where they can't get out. So, but that's so great that you have a new insight around, like that that's what's happening there. Mm -hmm. Because with that knowledge, you can maybe make a new choice or do something differently which your dad, who knows what will happen, but Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Who knows? I know. Who (laughs) knows? Um, Yeah. I'm actually (laughs) curious on like the, Mm -hmm. do men experience the mother wound and, or is it more just like the father wound that's more prominent for them? Like what is, what's Mm -hmm.
6: that? Yeah. Men totally 100% have mother wounds with their mothers. um, For sure. It's just very different. Like with, it can be very different. Look, different for men. And again, it's kind of like that atmosphere of patriarchy that makes the way it play out a little different. Like for example, some mothers, you know, patriarchy has deprived them of that sense of self and sense of fullness. And so sometimes as mothers, they can, their child, their, their son can play that role of making them feel valid. Mm -hmm. You know, this is one Mm -hmm. way it can play out. Um, So there can be an enmeshment with the mother and the son, and that can be very confining for the son as an adult and a child. Like, how do I? I'm going to hurt my mother if I be my full self. So it's like they can have a version of that as well. Yeah. Um, but also, if the mother is you know sadistic or harmful or neglectful, there can just be plain old misogyny and anger and about you know the rage that they have about their mothers. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of. There's a lot of things that men experience that don't they don't talk about, just like with us. so um, I really think it's about people telling their stories and about feeling safe enough to talk about some of these things. and like we've established, you know, this has been largely taboo for a long time to talk about our early relationships and how they played out and how they impact us now. But um, yeah, men for sure have a lot there that they suffer with and struggle with. Um, But they are kind of have this also layer of don't talk about it. Yeah. Your feelings make you weak. And I think women, we feel strong. Like I know a lot of us, I mean, I grew up feeling like you shouldn't talk about your feelings, but Mm -hmm. busted through that. Many of us have busted through that part um, and, and are doing that, that brave work. Um, But I think, I hope that in the future years, men will start also sharing more of their stories with the mother wound as well Mm -hmm. because they'll project it onto their... Yes. Like I was married to a man for a while and yeah, like his mother wound, I became in the role of his mother. Like he was treating me like the way as though I was her in moments and it was really tough because I didn't, I'm like, this is not who I am, but also he was like not even really aware of it. So yeah it's in these romantic relationships that we can really make amazing headway if both partners are like kind of on the path of wanting to heal and wanting to support one another. That's when it can get really fun and juicy and intimate and real,
0: you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. <sighs> I'm so grateful. I know. I
0: can't <laughs> Honestly, my brain needs like a little bit. to <laughs> I, I was thinking I'm like, we're going to have her on again because there's so much more I want to talk about in the book. And Um, but I I need some like ma. I need a little bit of integration time with all of this. Has been unreal. Thank you, Bethany. Yeah, thank you so Mm -hmm. much. And Mm -hmm. also too, like Mm -hmm. I know the book is super popular, and you're just doing so well. But I I've been intuitively thinking, I'm like, there's a timing for things, and I really think that like your time has been, but almost more so is going to be coming. Mm, like I feel like people so really need to come to a place where they understand this. And once, once I saw in the linchpin thing is is was like it for me. I was like, whoa, this is like mm-hmm. it, you know. So yes, that's me. Yeah. Just you know, telling you how I feel about the book and the work. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so amazing. So can you tell us our community where they can connect with you and and learn a little bit more?
6: Yeah, sure. And I just want to say too, I have loved this conversation so much, and I love how Aww. you guys have like like gone with me, you know, to the deep, the depths here. So, thank you. It's not going to be your, it's
0: not going to be your first and last. You're yeah. going to be coming I, back. So, <laughs> yes.
6: <laughs> thank I, I you. I can't wait. Um but yeah, if you want to find out more, just go to bethanywebster.com. Uh that's where everything lives. There's a blog with dozens of articles, there's a free ebook, um I teach a course. Um so there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff there to check out. You can spend hours and hours over there.
1: Amazing. Beautiful. And the book is Discovering the Inner Mother. Uh, for people that are on Amazon right now and want to know I know that they are but thank you Bethany that was really really special I feel like yeah to echo Krista like you know we have a lot of incredible conversations but it's rare that we're just like oh i know we're honestly. gonna i'm bringing this to therapy at 5 yes! p.m in two hours so, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. i'd love
4: to have awesome.
0: yeah. in the membership or something oh be cool. yeah you're doing a workshop in the yeah. membership we'll be talking thank yeah. you so much i appreciate <laughs> it um your work has been so profound and this was so lovely so thank you so much bethany
6: Thank
4: you so much. I love you guys. This has been so fun. and I look forward to being in touch. Same. Perfect.
0: We'll talk to you later. Okay. We'll see you soon. Bye. Have a great night. Bye. 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 Thank you so much, Bethany. You can find Bethany on Instagram. She's healing the mother wound. And then the book is discovering the inner mother. And thank you so much to our sponsors for this episode. As always, we just bring
1: you brands that we love and support and use ourselves. So check them out. Aloha. Milk and Honey, Hum Nutrition, Fit Track, and Saqqara. All discounts and information are in our show notes as well as on almost30.com. Scroll down and click on partners. Thank you all for listening. We love you so much.
0: We love you so much. Thanks for sharing this with a friend. Thanks for being a part of our community, almost30.com. We have our videos on YouTube if you guys wanna watch us. And then you can find me on Instagram at it's Krista, And I'm at Lindsay Simsic. And finally, let's round
1: out and share the last few messages from members of Almost 30 Nation for Krista, the birthday girl, on how much she has impacted them uh, through her solo episodes. Enjoy.
5: Hi, Krista. Happy birthday. Your vulnerability to share your experience of healing the mother wound is profound. I have also been on a similar journey recently. I was able to go back and pinpoint childhood experiences where I unknowingly suppressed emotions and try to fix my broken self. But I wasn't really broken. I just had a lot to learn. There were all of these expectations and traditional standards to be held to. There was abandonment around not fitting into those expected norms. And I always had a sense of feeling of failure and that something was wrong with me. Um, And I felt that it was normal to feel that way. These things were always dressed up as, I'm worried about you. And I'm like, okay, great. Thanks, mom. But where's your compassion for me being me? Krista, you illustrate the importance of seeing your mother as she is, not how you would like to see her. Because for one, you can't change her. But there is something powerful about the surrender and awareness of being with what is. I feel so blessed to have such a strong community that you and Lindsay have cultivated to lean on and learn from. Enjoy the rest of your birthday.
9: Hi Krista. Happy birthday. I wanted to send my sincere thanks for... The rawness that you demonstrated in the mother wound episode. I lost my mom coming up eight years ago before my two children were born. And I kind of always assumed that I would do my healing through my own mothering. And the episode really helped me realize that it's not just an automatic thing. And we really do have to make a conscious effort to heal we can't assume that it's just gonna happen through our own mothering and i realized that not only did i have to heal my own mother wound but even though my mom is no longer here i had to do some healing for her too and i think that your rawness and in sharing your story It really helped bring that forward for me, and I've been able to do a lot of work since then, and I have felt such a difference in how I mother my own children and how much I want things to be different in my relationship with them and carrying that arc forward in their own relationships with the children that they might have. So thank you so much. It was really appreciated i'm so grateful that you had the courage to share with all of us thank you
10: hi krista alexa here the stranger that feels like your friend from afar time and time again after hearing you share so openly with us you have gotten me in my feels aware as ever and feeling truly understood I have listened to the mother wound episode in particular a couple times. I'm not going to lie, the first time my ego listened thinking that this wasn't going to strike a chord and finishing feeling confused and uneasy because it clearly did. But I was uncomfortable, so I pushed it away and I moved on. However, more recently it's come back into my life. This has been something that has come up time and time again for me in therapy the mother wound i never thought that i had but clearly do listening to this episode again made me recognize the depths that expectations have on our relationships and that by releasing and creating clear boundaries which for me is still a need to be worked through our hearts are more open to having a healthy relationship and healing from the inside out we can't heal what we hate so honoring it and meeting it with grace is what is needed thank you for making me realize this Thank you for being such a bright spot on this planet and sharing so honestly, respectfully, and freely. I hope this birthday is the best yet. Thanks for seeing, hearing, and loving on us always. I hope you're feeling that in return today.
11: I am just so grateful to the vulnerability that you and Lindsay both bring to the show. I love it so much. An episode that you recorded last October about the mother wound deeply resonated with me. I had been doing work for about a year on the wounds that I feel from my mother and also from my sister, my older sister, and a lot of those wounds really overlap for me. And what I really took away from that episode that you recorded was that I want to get into a mindset where I shift and I am able to develop a new relationship with my mother. Your episode really helped me feel a lot of compassion for my mom. I feel a lot of compassion for my mother, who is in her 70s at this point. She is a hardworking, loving, caring woman who really tried her best with me. And I have a lot of compassion for her inner child because I'm not sure if it's if it's something that she's ever really tapped into and looked at. So I try to really care for my mom's inner child when my present-day mom hurts my inner child's feelings. I also really took away from the episode the idea that um, I can still hurt and reflect and mourn on my childhood, but that I can soothe myself now in a new way and soothe the little girl inside of me, and that by doing that, I actually really heal. It isn't just lip service. It is a true healing. Your episode really helped me a lot, as do so many of the episodes that the both of you record. So, I just wanted to say thank you to you. Thank you to Lindsay and Krista. I hope you have a wonderful and happy birthday.
8: Hi, I'm Brie. I am so incredibly grateful for Krista's Mother Wound episode. I have a challenging relationship with my own mom, and it's something that I've been craving support on for years, actually. It can be really difficult to find insight that's relevant or applicable to working with a mother wound because everyone has such different experiences but i listened to krista's episode and the parallels in our situation specifically spoke to me i truly appreciate how krista shares her experiences not to seek personal gain or validation but that her sharing is deeply rooted in assisting others and exploring their process while continuing to honor her own journey and her mother's as well After listening to Krista speak on this, I have a more empowered approach when it comes to handling my thoughts and emotions in regards to the relationship I have with my mom. I now feel like I approach situations through the lens of love instead of immediately jumping to that pain or fear mindset. I'm able to see my mother as a fellow human being who has her own wounded inner child that she is tending to. Krista has been a light and an expander for me when it comes to navigating and taking ownership of my own healing. So thank you so, so much, Krista, for your wisdom and vulnerability. We love you.